0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of With Love Alexa. We have another exciting episode. I am speaking with radio personality, author, sports columnist, and the other half of the King and Foster podcast. He's such an inspiring and powerful person, and I can't wait to hear all about him. Hi, Terry. Hello, (laughs) and
1: I have plenty to say. Good, I'm I'm excited. All right, good to be here.
0: Good, I'm glad to have you. Um, So what were you like? want to just start like kind of your story like what you were like growing up
1: growing up I uh, grew up on the west side of Detroit I was a uh, kind of mischievous kid uh, I was the one that uh, would start their friends fighting with each other and uh, <laughs> the and then I, would, then I would <laughs> yeah I would just kind of stroke the fire and then I would stay out of the way like hey you guys shouldn't be fighting but um, I was also curious so I would always ask a lot of questions, and people would get tired of me, and like, dude, can can we end this? And I'm like, nah, I just want to know, and stuff like that. But um, I like to play, you know, sports with the kids in my neighborhood. We played baseball. Uh, we played football in the streets and had skinned up knees all the time <laughs> because, you know, that pavement is unforgiving. And yes. We all had neighborhood teams, and we had we had a good time.
0: That sounds really fun. Like, Yeah. Sounds like a fun way to like grow up.
1: It was. It was. It was it was a dangerous neighborhood uh, also. Um, I remember one time uh, my cousin wanted me to go to the store to get her cigarettes. And I didn't want to get her cigarettes because you know, I said, you know, but they're caused cancer and stuff. She said, just get my damn cigarettes. So one time I went there and I had to get some milk too. So I'm going home with uh, the pack of cigarettes and uh, the milk in a bag. And this dude starts to chase me. So I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. I knew that was up. He was about to rob me. Yeah. So I started to book. And then I just heard this big stop. And I knew exactly who it was. It was the neighborhood drug dealer. So we both stopped because we were both scared because this dude was a killer. Yeah. So he goes over to the guy that was going to rob me and said, you leave this brother alone. He's got a future. He's going to do something. He's going to make our neighborhood proud. If anything happens to him, I'm gonna hold you responsible, even if you didn't do it. So I had protection from the drug dealer. That's amazing. So I was excited. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but um, he he recognized me as someone that was going to, you know, make Vancouver proud. Because a lot of people didn't make it out the neighborhood. I still have friends. I'm 60 years old. And I still have friends who live with their parents. Yeah. So they never really kind of escaped. So.
0: Well, you did. I escaped
1: uh, thanks to the drug dealer. Well, yep. In part because of the drug dealer.
0: Yeah, and then the rest. For you. Well, he was the
1: drug dealer slash numbers runner. He had two jobs. Oh. So if you didn't pay him, you're in trouble.
0: Oy. But I was
1: never a customer. Well, that's good. You <laughs> yes. were just
0: he just protected you. Yes. For free. So that was so. good. Yeah, that is Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Um, when did you like remember first falling in love with like sports and broadcasting? Like, was it when you were younger or like?
1: No, it was much um, later in life because uh, first I fell in love with sports and writing. Yeah. Because that was originally what I did. In fact, I didn't like broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were lazy. Um, I thought they piggybacked off of our hard work. We would go out and report things. And the broadcaster going go on and says, yes, yeah, so I just hear the so-and-so is going to be traded. Yeah, because you read my damn story. That's why you know it. So, uh <laughs> So I kind of thought that they were kind of, I don't know. I'm not going to use the word pigs, but I didn't like broadcasters, and then became one. Yeah. So go figure. (laughs) Uh, In fact, um, we got, uh, Drew Sharp and I, a guy that used to write for the Free Press, we got into a fight with a radio broadcaster on Press Row in Chicago Stadium. So, um... The way it worked was back then we didn't have the internet, so I need to send my story. And so I had to I had to get a phone, pull the plug out. So this broadcaster takes my phone and he starts doing a stand-up. And I told him, <laughs> I'm going to need that phone in 30 seconds because I got to send my story because we we're on deadline because I was writing for the news. And then he said, I don't see your name on this phone. I said, well, I'm going to take it in 30 seconds whether my name is on it or not. <laughs> so he's going... 3-2-1-0. The Chicago Bulls defeated the Detroit Pistons, blah, 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 whatever it was. So I snatched his cord out and put it in my computer. And he was livid. He was calling me all kinds of names. You know, uh, let's step outside so I can kick your ass and all this oh, stuff. to dude, God. just get out of here. <laughs> so anyway, I um I turned around to send my story and then I heard a splash and I looked back and the broadcaster was wet. Drew Sharp had thrown a Coke in this dude's face. (laughs) And I turned to Drew and he had a full Coke in his hand. I said, dude, how did you just light this dude up and you got a full Coke in your hand? He says, well, I was going to get him again. So then it it (laughs) escalated and we screamed at each other. No no fists were thrown. But um, it actually made the Chicago Tribune. Said uh, back then they called the Pistons the bad boys. Yeah, and it says the players are not the only bad boys with the Detroit Pistons. It seems like their writers are bad boys also. So, bam, that that was cool. That that was cool, but but yeah. Showed my. uh, Well, I thought we were going to get in trouble from the editors, but they never (laughs) said anything.
0: Oh well.
1: Maybe they didn't see the story because it was a little tiny story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey,
0: story's a story. Right. My dad always says that you uh, have to worry when people stop talking about you. That is true.
1: That is true. <laughs> and their, their sports teams that do that, they will uh, make a trade or they will start uh, rumors about their own team just because nobody's talking about them. Mm-hmm. So that's the worst thing you want in sports. Yeah. No one talking about you. Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: Pretty much in a lot of places in life, like different jobs and things. Yes. But for sure, it's like sports.
1: Well, when you're in the office, you don't want people talking about you because it's usually not good stuff. True. It's a little gossip. You don't want to be on the gossip uh, trail.
0: No, just all the good stuff.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, she's really sweet and I love her. and That's what you want. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So were you when you went into like writing and like journalism did you what was your favorite kind of writing like did you always like like news type stories or
1: i think i was better known uh i think the things i like writing were opinion pieces yeah because i got to write a column for a while but uh i really enjoyed game stories because um i think when you watch a game you're not there just to write about the game it should be a um snapshot of where that team is at this at the end of that game. Yeah. Are they playing well? Are they playing good defense? Is their offense a little bit off and they're winning despite that? So you need to tell the public where's this team right now as you sit down and read this. But now and I'm I'm um right now I am um mentoring a PAL class, Detroit Police Athletic League, and we're working on media and my my gripe about young sports writers now they will write a story and say you know team B won 55 to 54 in the first quarter this happened blah 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 and they go play by play by by play and then and like the last sentence says and uh joe smith hit the game winning shot with 8 seconds left well heck that should be at the beginning of the story not at the end yeah so but they don't tell the story. They're experts on the team. They know all the players. They know the coaches and everything. But they don't let the audience in on what this team is all about. And I have a gripe.
0: Yeah. No, I don't blame you. Like, it's it's not as, like, creative. It's just kind of, right. like, like right. boom, boom, boom. Right. Like, you want a story. Like, right. you want to be able to, like...
1: Like, there's too many nerds in our business. All, <laughs> all I care is about the stats and yeah. facts. But uh, you have to have the blood, sweat, and tears because... The thing we always forget, sports writing and dealing with personalities, no, how, no matter how big they are, it is a people business, and we need to tell people's stories.
0: Yeah, exactly. And right. I feel like, and you would think, like, since they know the players so well and the coaches, you would probably be able to really come up with like a good story, right. besides just numbers. Right,
1: and you get to talk to them after the game, yeah. and you know, sometimes they're in the mood to talk, and sometimes... You know, when they even when they lose, they'll give you good tidbits to work with. You just have to formulate them.
0: Yeah. What um, what was some of like you got to write like for the Detroit News, like you said, right? And you were a beat writer for the Pistons, like dur- like we were just talking about, like during the Bad Boy season. How was that?
1: It was tiring, <laughs> but was exciting. Uh, every day was different. Uh, you know, sometimes players weren't in the mood for you. So you would get short interviews and somebody would yell at you because players never read the paper, but they know everything you wrote. Uh. So uh, sometimes you get the cold shoulder from somebody and say, okay, he's pissed at me because yeah. I said he's not playing well. and um, It's the then truth, they say, though. It's the truth, <laughs> then they, but they would never give you the satisfaction of saying, well, I read your story. And I didn't like it. It was always somebody else read it. And this is what they told me. And a lot of times, the somebody else, if there was a somebody else, would give them wrong information. Yeah. And they'd be mad at you about something that never happened. So um, that's that's just part of the business. We go back and forth, and we have our good days and our bad days with yeah. each other. But the the, the great thing is uh, you could ruin a millionaire's day just by what you wrote. Yeah. So that's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, that's true. But um, how long did you do it for?
1: I uh, I was at the news and the free press for a total of 32 years. Okay. So, um, but the, you know, the business is different now. Um, people are being laid off, people taking early retirements, people, uh, because the newspaper industry isn't doing as well. Right. Um, it's like
0: all about online now. Right.
1: It's all online. Like more people read you now than they did back in the day,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they're reading you for free yeah and the the industry hasn't figured out how to make um money on the internet because even back in the day let's go pre-internet the newspaper uh, would charge you a quarter and to run a newspaper the subscription was only 20 to 25 percent of what it took to make a newspaper profitable the rest came from advertising yeah but the big problem is okay advertisers don't you know don't want to advertise online as much as they do with the print edition so now they're struggling trying to figure out how do we get revenue in so meanwhile people are taking uh, buyouts and let me uh, get there's a um, I have a friend that worked at the San Jose Mercury News 20 years ago they had four hundred and thirty five editorial people people who wrote edit Laid out the paper and everything. Today they have forty three. That's ten percent of what you used to have. Yeah. So it's definitely changing.
0: Yeah, that's it's sad because it's like paper, like even though it's like great, like that they have like stuff like this, yeah. but it was such a big part. Right. Since I'm
1: an old person, I'm used to having a paper in yeah. my hand, <laughs> and my kids, they they don't know what a newspaper is. They, it's just all online. Yeah. So that's what they're used to.
0: Yeah, because even though, like, I'm born in this generation of, like, online, and but a lot of it for a while when I was younger, they didn't really, we didn't have, like, that much internet. Like, we had some. Right. But it was still doing a lot of current events and things in the newspapers.
1: Well, and, I like, mean, and, you're and, that yeah. younger generation. Do you like going to the mall? Yeah. Do you like shopping? Or do you, do you do most of your shopping online? or?
0: I am not, like, I've never been, like, that big of a shopper. Okay. I like I like looking and trying it on. Okay, like, what in, about
1: what about for the holidays? Don't you get gift people gifts? Yeah,
0: I usually do at the store.
1: You do it at the store? Okay. Yeah,
0: I don't like online. <laughs> All right.
1: Uh I would say you know, my kids are mostly online. They do go to the store now and then, but I mean, that's changing too. You know, to yeah. newspapers we won't have uh brick and mortar stores. And it's in fact so sad. there is they're building a mall in Commerce Township and it's supposed to be an internet buffer mall or whatever they call it it means
0: e-commerce or
1: yeah everything there it you can't get online for instance they're going to have restaurants they're going to have a health club you can't exercise i guess on the internet you could technically but, yeah,
0: but no <laughs> but it's
1: things that you actually have to physically
0: where is this it's going to be?
1: be on um Haggerty the Haggerty connector and pontiac trail
0: okay I'm I'm there in that area okay they may have broken
1: ground on it Oh, I'm not sure about that that's
0: cool that's right by uh Walmart okay yeah um yeah no that is really cool though Mm -hmm. so you were for a a long time also on 97 won the ticket yes you had a show yep (laughs) how was that was that fun for you like did you enjoy it
1: it was fun and stressful yeah um you know, it was it's kinda you know, I did it with Mike Valenti and he's a very talented radio guy. Uh, but I felt stressful because, you know, you know, dealing with the public all the time and you never knew what was coming. Um people are I don't wanna say use the term nuts, but they're different. And they come up with some cockabaney ideas and you try to educate them, mm-hmm. And they want no part of it. Yeah. It's like, no, this is what I believe. And no matter what you say, even though you witnessed the, the happening we're talking about and they didn't, they know more than you do. Mm-hmm. So that, that part was very frustrating.
0: Yeah. Do you think some of that stress is maybe what led to your stroke that Stro- happened?
1: I don't think the stress led to it. Uh, it was sodium. Okay. And um, because... I, I'm i able to shrug that off, but, you know, I, I've talked to my doctors enough, and they just said that the foods that I was eating was mm-hmm. high in sodium and that a lot of people, when, they, when we talk about strokes, they they assume it's stress-related. Most strokes are because of the food that we eat. Even though we think we're eating something healthy, it's not. Right. When you go to the restaurant, they fill that food full of sodium or salt. That's why it tastes good. Um soup is full of sodium soup is not good for you yeah and um so that was the reason that i had the stroke and the other part of it was um doctors they they took these they just take all kinds of pictures and x-rays some of them kind of make me squeamish but there's one they took a 3d imaging of all my blood veins in my brain. Mm-hmm. And all of them look pretty good. They're nice and healthy and yeah. and fat and everything. And there's just one uh, on the left side, and it's just bent and, um, you know, it was kind of looks like it was in trouble. It's like, like the little kid that <laughs> didn't really grow up. Yeah. And my doctor believes that I had that since childhood. That that's just the way it was. And that... What what helped me is that bl- that blood vein became sluggish and not clogged, oh, okay. so it became sluggish. So I, then I had stroke-like symptoms and and a stroke. But if it had been clogged, uh, I could have been paralyzed yeah. and 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 maybe even dead. So I was lucky there. Yeah, so I was very fortunate.
0: That I that's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, not amazing, but yeah, like I that mean, you but, got lucky. Right. You were so lucky. Um. So we're actually going to be wrapping up. Okay. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on.
1: I had a good time.
0: Me too. No and problem. And just wanted to, like, wrap up with how how are you today? Are you... Uh,
1: I feel a lot better today. I have um, changed my eating habits. That's good. Um, and, you know, I still have my fun. I still have my little pizza and fries. Yeah, you and, have to. and stuff. But um, what I've learned to do is... Um, For instance, you know, grill a lot of fish and chicken at home. I eat at home a little bit more. That's the key there. Yeah. Is eating at home. And um, so I do that and um, eat more salads and nuts and (laughs) fruit. People always ask me, am I hungry? No. I I eat food. Yeah. I'm not hungry. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to McDonald's every day or every other day. Uh, Not going to Burger King. I limit um, eating out because I know no matter what I order, it's going to have have a lot of sodium in it. So so that's what I'm doing. And I'm exercising. um, I'm doing a... uh, My first exercise, this is weird, all it was was me putting my feet, and my foot in front of the other and walking because I had balance problems. Yeah. So they they showed me rehab. Uh, You know, let's just start there. And then it's progressed where I was lifting weights, doing two. I would do like 2.3 to 2.4 miles a day on the treadmill, and then i um, and then I just felt that I needed to up mm-hmm. my exercise. I need to do it a little bit tougher. So I'm not now. I'm taking a class called Body Pump with Stephanie, and um, at uh, Powerhouse Gym. Mm. And a lot of times during that class, I'm like, Why am I doing this? I want to walk out, but I don't. I stick it out, and the, the idea is for you to lift weights, not real heavy, but you lift them, like, you know, 15, 16 times, you stop. So it builds up your heart rate, and then it goes down. Builds it up again, and then it goes down. And supposedly, you're burning calories up to two hours after the exercise is done.
0: Okay. That's cool. So that's what I do Tuesday <laughs> and Thursday. Well, that's great. And just want to say thanks again for coming on and... You look great. Thank you. And
1: nice <laughs> meeting you. And it's nice to be part of the, the new family here uh, in NRM. Yes. So I'm um, having fun doing a podcast with the young Jimmy King.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this was another episode of With Love Alexa. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.
1: See you.